Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. everyone man thank you for being so patient with us tonight with all these technical difficulties man technology is going to be technology but for those of you that made it into the house can we give god a praise real quick bring me down bring me down bring me down man the devil is is trying to take us out tonight but he cannot stop the spirit of god amen let's open up in prayer before we do anything else before we do any kind of opening before we do any kind of introduction let's acknowledge god amen Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for being in this place, Lord God, that, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, God, that, that we are, are held safe, Lord God, within your presence, Lord God, that we acknowledge you regardless of what's going on, Lord God, regardless of the circumstance, that you are faithful, God. You are the anchor to our souls, God. God, I am praying that tonight as we dig deeper into your word, Lord, that, that you use me as a vessel, Lord God, that you speak your word through me, Lord God. Let me get out of the way, Lord God. And may your word ring true, Lord God. May your spirit be in this place, in people's homes, Lord God, so that, that, that they don't just hear the word, but they become doers of the word, Lord God, that we are good ground, Lord God, that you soften hearts tonight, Lord God, so that we can be fruitful, God, and multiply, that we can disciple, Lord God, and lead more and more people to your kingdom. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, if you tuned in by accident, tonight is rightly dividing the word Bible study. I am not Pastor Donald Johnson III, but my name is John Butcher Jr. I guess we learned recently John Butcher II, so if that counts for anything, then it is what it is. But um, Pastor JR, I'm the youth pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship. And over the past couple of weeks, man, we've been talking about uh, uh, the book of John. And just real quick, if I can just give honor where honor is due, um, I was thinking about it today. Uh, the, although we're, we're, we're blood and everything, the closest thing that I've ever had to a big brother has been Pastor Donald. And like, just being able to see, you know, we got ordained at the same time, officially ordained at the same time. And to think about, you know, them giving him the, the, the role of teaching pastor, he already is a wealth of like knowledge and wisdom, but for him to be able to get the title and operate in his gifts and be able to lead people to Christ with this Bible study, it's been life-changing. So I encourage you guys, those of you guys that have been at home, those of you guys that have been watching online, if you're here in person, make sure that you share the message. Look, Bible study is just as important as Sundays. We got to be digging into our word, learning more and more about what God says about our lives, about who he is. And the more and more we learn about who he is, we learn more and more about ourselves. Amen. So we're going to get right into it. Um, turn with me to John chapter 10. And over the last couple of months, you know, uh, Pastor Donald uh, uh, found it the, the best for us to start in the Gospels, the four Gospels being Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I know for some of you theologians out there, I might be going over some simple and like elementary stuff tonight, but this is Bible study. I can't assume everybody knows their word. I can't assume that everybody has a background in their word. We all have to be willing to dig deep into the word tonight. Amen. But we're starting from John chapter 10 tonight, and over the past couple of weeks, Pastor Donald's been talking about the tension that continues to arise between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Jesus. 
this, this tension that continues to bubble, this tension that, that something is about to happen. Like, I don't know if a fight's about to break out. Are we going to stone Jesus? What's about to happen, right? And so, but before we get into uh, John chapter 10 tonight, I want us to, to, to take a couple of things that I thought would be absolutely uh, uh, helpful to us while we study our word. Now, there are four accounts of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, they're not four you know, different stories necessarily. They're not saying different things, but they're four stories all unified talking about Jesus Christ. Now, each author might have a different approach. They might have a different writing style. Like, for instance, like with Matthew, Matthew's point was to prove that Jesus was the Messiah that, 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 that the, the Old Testament had promised about. When we look at the book of Mark, we look at them, him describing Jesus as the suffering Messiah. When we look at Luke, we look at all the different things that he did. But when it comes to the book of John, the book of John is, is, is written in such a way that it was trying to show us that the word had became flesh, that this wasn't just some random uh, 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 God, this wasn't just some random good guy, but, but, but literally since the beginning of time, it says in John that Jesus is the word made flesh, that, that God presented himself uh, wrapped up in flesh so that he could be a perfect sacrifice for us and that he just wasn't any old person, but he truly was 100% God and 100% men. These are some of the things that we have to think about. Like we don't have to be doctors in order to, you know, uh, uh, want to learn more and more about apologetics, learn more and more about how to defend the word. And we were talking about it in Elevate just about a week ago. We were talking about the gospel. And how often do you hear misinformation on the news? A lot of times when misinformation is spread, people go into an hysteria. It's important that we know exactly what the gospel is. We don't know a part of it. You know, we don't believe in the gospel of inclusion, that everybody is saved. We don't just believe Jesus was a good prophet. We believe that, yes, Jesus was the son of God. And because of the condition that we were in, we needed a perfect sacrifice to make us right with God. And so as we look at this intent, and I might be skipping ahead, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple months. But when we look at the intent of John chapter or the book of John, we look in John chapter 20, verses 31, and it says this. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. If you were trying to get the, the moral of the story of this whole book, this is the moral. This is how the book ends for the most part. There's one more chapter that, that works like an epilogue, but, but that's, the, that's the meat of what's going on in the book of John. And now, I know a lot of times when we look at chapters in the Bible, we think that they are actual days or a series of time, but a lot of times stories in the Bible kind of overlap. And, and if you haven't listened to our journey through John with John chapter 9, I encourage you guys, go back. We're making technology work for us, you guys. We're, we're, we're making it in such a way that not only can you go on YouTube, not only can you go on Facebook, but you can listen to the journey through John on, on our uh, Annex podcast. So I encourage you guys, go back and get caught up, get, get um, um, caught up with what we're doing with the study. But we always want to recognize the context of what's going on. We want to know the context of what was happening during Scripture. We want to know the context and what the writer was trying to convey to us. We have to question these questions. Look, write these down. You need to be taking notes. This is, this is Bible study. Understanding context. Asking questions like, where are we? Who is speaking? What setting are we in? When it talks about the people, is it talking about everybody? 
Is it talking about the Jews? Is it talking about Gentile? What exactly is, is the word of God trying to say to us? Context is important. But before we get into John chapter 10, this is where we're going to start. We're going to start in John chapter 9, right at the very end. Because like I was saying, that the stories kind of intertwine with one another. Let's get some context, amen? amen? John chapter 9, starting from verse 35. When you get there, say, I'm there. If you don't got your Bible, you can look up at the Sky Bible. John chapter 9, verses 35. And we're continuing on with the story of the blind man that was able to see and all the skeptics that were questioning if Jesus was real or not. It says in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking to you, talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Let's skip over to John chapter 10. Let's turn the page. John chapter 10 is where we continue the story. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, I know a lot of times for those of you that have read your word before, you've heard of the term parable. Parable is a way that Jesus used to convey the message of the kingdom and convey the message of the gospel in order to make it plain for those of us that couldn't really discern and understand spiritual things. And a lot of times it might be in the form of a, par a parable or a metaphor, but in particular in the book of John, and I, and I heard different theologians argue about this, but he uses more of an allegory rather than just a parable. Basically saying that it's not just a complete figurative story, but he's using metaphors to talk exactly about himself. So he says, again, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, I don't know how you guys run your households at home, okay? I don't know if you have security systems or alarm systems or how you raise your family or however it is, whatever. But I'm going to let y'all know this. If I catch somebody coming through my window, they're going to catch a magazine and a prayer. And by magazine, I don't mean the magazine that you read. Okay? You get where I'm going? Basically, this is what I'm trying to say. If there are people and if there's a person that enters into a house through a way that, that it wasn't designed for, then they are in there illegally. They are trying to enter into a place that they are not supposed to be. They're, they're trying to, to use a way into the, into the house, into the building, into any type of thing uh, where it's not designed for. This is the reason why we have front doors. Listen, I remember being a kid, and I don't know if you guys were like, you know, kind of like those latchkey kids, and you forget your keys at home, and you got to do that little wiggle around and open up your window, and heaven forbid you get caught. Like, last thing I need is the police to drive by, seeing my black self climb through somebody's window. 
But here's the thing. This is how Jesus was trying to describe it. Those thieves and robbers that he was talking about in context were the Pharisees. He's talking about the Pharisees like, J.R., how are the Pharisees thieves and robbers? Because rather than them giving the credit to Jesus of being the way of righteousness, they had their own way of righteousness and said, the only way that you can be righteous is by how we call it. The only way that you can get into right standing with God is by how we call it. Forget about this Jesus guy. He's a blasphemer. You, you got to meet our standards. But, but the word of God literally says that our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. That our righteousness and our goodness doesn't even amount to the righteousness and goodness of God. Pharisees were by definition people who claimed to know the way and truth about righteousness and right standing with God. And yet, and yet they neglected the very definition of it. Come on, we've been talking about it over the past couple of weeks of what the definition is. The Logos, the Word, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself had showed up as the definition, as the truth, as the way, as the life, and yet they denied him because they were so caught up in what they believed to be their truth and what they believed to be their way and what they believed to be a righteous life in their own understanding, they denied the very definition. So it's describing them as thieves and robbers like, look, there's only one way. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. There's only one way into right standing with the Father. There's only one way to righteousness, amen? amen. And I know many times you might think, how, how is this relevant to today? There are so many different religions that play close to Christianity. There are so many different religions that try to play close to, to, to following Jesus. There are religions that even use Scripture. If you look at Mormonism, they say a similar verse that we have in Ephesians where they say, uh, 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 I am saved by grace through faith, right? We know that verse, that you're saved by grace through faith. Well, they believe that they're saved by grace through faith after everything else that they can do. Wait a minute. It sounds close. They might believe that they're saved, but, but, but how can we say that? We're saved by grace through faith after everything that we can do. That makes the sufficiency of God's sacrifice null and void. That makes the sufficiency and the value of God's sacrifice on the cross null and void. That, that it isn't by the works that you do. It isn't by, by how holy that you think you are. It isn't by how long you've been in church or what row you sit in in church or, or, or how big your Bible is and all these different things. It comes through believing and, and repenting from the way that you used to live and, and repenting and turning towards God. Amen. When the Bible talks about believing, that that literal definition means I am convinced you can't tell me otherwise. There's nothing that you can bring in front of me that will deny the fact that I believe, I trust, I put my hope and place my hope in Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life, not many ways into heaven, not many ways into righteousness, but God represents and presents himself as the way to the Father. Let's go back to John chapter 10, starting from verse 3. He begins to expand about uh, this, 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 this metaphor that he's talking about, about being the shepherd of the sheep. It says, to him, meaning the shepherd, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, 
and they know his voice. Make sure you highlight that. And they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now, before we get to these dense Pharisees, okay, before we get there, there's a lesson that we can learn from these sheep. There's a lesson that we can learn from the literal animal, the sheep. Now, I know it's really popular. I know, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this meme of like, it's usually like a, a lion with like blood dripping from his mouth, like this epic picture of a lion. It's like, uh, uh, lions don't care about the opinions of sheep. That's a cool metaphoric poster, but as a believer, I, I'm supposed to be a sheep. As a believer, I'm supposed to be a sheep. Now, I know we look at sheep as dumb and docile animals, but I looked up a couple Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia facts for us to look into. First thing I want to look at is flock behavior. Sheep are flock animals and strongly gregarious. That means it's a fancy word for friendly. Much sheep behavior can be understood on the basis of these tendencies, the dominance hierarchy of sheep and their natural inclination to follow a leader to new pastures were the pivotal factors in sheep being one of the first domesticated livestock species. Furthermore, in contrast to the red deer and gazelle, two other ungulates of primary importance to meat production in prehistoric times, sheep do not defend territories, although they do form home ranges. All sheep have a tendency to congregate close to other members of a flock. Although this behavior varies with breed, and sheep can become stressed when separated from their flock members. During flocking, sheep have a strong tendency to follow, and a leader may simply be the first individual to move. It's really interesting that, that, that it says that sheep are so intelligent, in fact, that, 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 that they can recognize their master. That sheep are so intelligent, in fact, that they can recognize their master's face. That sheep are so intelligent, in fact, that all you hear when you, and see when you hear sheep is, that's all you hear. But literally, a, a mother in a group of sheep can hear its baby baying and know the sheep amongst a thousand sheep. That's how smart sheep are. That, that sheep aren't docile, sheep aren't dumb, they just know how to be led. And, and so, this is the point I'm trying to make is that it's not like we're following a shepherd that doesn't know what he's doing. It's not like we're following, and I keep getting ahead of myself, and I guess that's fine. We're already behind anyways. It's not like we follow a shepherd that's not faithful. It's not like we follow a shepherd that doesn't have us in his hands. These are the things that we have to recognize that, look, when you place your faith in Jesus, when you decide to believe and place your hope in Jesus, you're not placing it in a thing that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. I know some of you guys have some things that are very delicate to you. I have a bunch of camera and audio gear at my house, and if one of my teenage boys in the youth group said, hey, can I borrow this? I'm like, nah, bro. I'm going to keep it in a safe place where it's not going to be broken. I'm going to keep it in a safe place where it's not going to be taken advantage of. And if I can encourage you guys today, I don't know where your faith level is at. I don't know where your hope is placed. I don't know if your trust has been broken, but your trust, your faith, and your hope are placed safely in Jesus Christ. Yeah, come on now. Yeah. 
I'm encouraging you to try Jesus. John chapter 10. Oh, we skipped some, some spots. What happened? Oh, because it went over on another page. Right. Psalms chapter 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He makes me... Bes- he, makes me, he leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. That's what I think about when I think about, uh, about being a sheep, about being a committed follower to Jesus Christ, is that he is my shepherd. He is the one that, that leads me and guides me. Not only is, is he a good shepherd, but he's a good provider. Not only is he a good provider, but he's a good protector. He knows to, where to lead me exactly where I need to go. That we don't serve a God that doesn't know our needs. Amen. We don't serve a God that doesn't, you're, you're acting like God doesn't see that you don't have a job right now. You're acting like you don't serve a God that, 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 that doesn't see that your kids are cutting up. You're acting like you don't serve a God that, that sees that you're sick, that sees that you're one, that sees that you've been in fear. Trust in God. John chapter 10 from verse 7. It says, Then Jesus said to them again, mind you, let's backtrack a second, that the Pharisees didn't get what Jesus was trying to explain to them in those five verses. It says, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Somebody say the door. door. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Not just a good life, not just a good life for now, but a life more abundantly. That God is not just thinking about the moment. That God is not just thinking about the season, that he's not just thinking about the circumstance or the pandemic or or, or a decade or a hundred years, but God is looking at the the full picture of eternity. The word of God says that he is the alpha and the omega, that he is the beginning and he is the end. That this whole story, that this whole word of God, that this this life, this, this eternity begins and ends with the word. It begins and ends with God. And this is why it's so relevant that I thank God that I don't just have a savior that that will just save me for the moment, but that his his saving is sufficient for me. I praise God that he didn't have to die over and over and over and over and over again for the sins that I've committed. Because Lord knows I failed. Lord knows I've fallen short. Lord knows I've made mistakes. But the sacrifice that he made for us was sufficient enough that I know that you've done some crazy things in your life, that you may have been in church and then fallen away, that, that you may have been in such a dark place in your life. But just like we learned in past uh, passages in John, that, that, that Jesus is the light. He's the one that overcomes the darkness. He's the one that overcomes. He's the one that, won, that, that took over sin and death in the grave on your behalf. This is why this is relevant. It's, it's why the, the, the thief tried to present himself and to steal and kill and destroy your life. Jesus came and snatched it out of his hands. That I encourage you guys that look, 
What Jesus did for us is enough. Can I say that again? What Jesus did for us is enough. If he doesn't do anything else, if he doesn't bless you with a car or, or a new house or, or, or things or material things, the sacrifice on the cross was enough. John chapter 10, verse 11. He already proclaimed himself as the door. And here's where we might have a little bit of confusion. Like, how can you be both things at once, Jesus? How'd you do that? He says, I am the door. But in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay my my life down that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. This command I have received from my Father. Now, some of you guys are like kind of puzzled, like, okay, Jesus, how are you the door and the shepherd? Like, how are you doing this at once? I think a lot of times when we look at the gospel, we think just about the first part, the the part where we're, we're crying the alligator tears and we're praying for repentance and we think that's it. That's not the case. That not only are we supposed to enter in through the door, but we're supposed to follow the shepherd. Some of y'all still looking puzzled. That not only is Jesus our savior, but also he is our Lord. Some of you guys are still looking puzzled. That not only was his sacrifice sufficient enough for us, but his wisdom and his goodness and his knowledge are what's going to lead us into abundant life. That God just doesn't give us grace to save us, but to keep us free. How many times have you paid off your credit card and got back into debt? Was that more relevant? How many times have, have you been free from something, but you keep falling for the same thing? How many times have you been set free from that addiction, but you keep falling for the same thing? The word of God says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. That requires trust. Not just adopting the principles and saying, okay, well, I'll do Christian light and I'll just show up to church and I'll receive the principles, but I won't receive the power. That that God, I'll give you my guilt, but I won't give you my will. I'll give you the, the part of me that feels bad, but secretly I love the sin that I've been caught up in. That God just doesn't want to set you free from the sin, but he wants you to be free indeed. That he wants you to have life and life more abundantly. Yes, amen. So, 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 so not only is he the door, not only is he the way to safety, but he is the good shepherd. 
He, he is the one that, that, that leads us. Like we said, we saw in Psalms chapter 23, he leads us into pastures and still waters. He's not leading us into danger. He's not leading us into a place where, 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 where we'll, we'll, we'll uh, uh, be forsaken. But God knows the beginning from the end. He understands the circumstance seems like it's tough. But God is with you if you've accepted him. I, I love it. We're reading this book right now as a staff called Transformational Discipleship. And there's, a, and there's an excerpt that we had read this past week in chapter 5. If you guys want to go out and get it, go get it. But it says this. It says, salvation begins with justification as Christ declares his own righteousness and ends with glorification when believers enjoy eternity without the presence of sin. The process between the two is sanctification. Sanctification is the process of being made holy by the one who has declared us holy and walking in newness of life because he has made us new. That you're not a refurbished person. That you're not a person with some like new parts. But that old person, that dirty person, that, that decrepit person, that broken person is, is no more. That in Christ you are made new. That in Christ you are a new creature. So you are no longer bound to those old thoughts. You are no longer bound to those old habits. You are no longer bound to the ways that you lose to live. But now that you can adopt the things of Christ because you've been adopted into the family. Here's a very key part too in, in John chapter 10 in that passage of verse 11 through verse 18. It says this. If we can bring it back up, Alex. John chapter 10, verses 15, it says, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. That if you read your Bible, that salvation did come from Israel. That salvation came through Israel. But we don't have to be Israelites to be saved. Did I step on some toes? Am I going to get some black Hebrew Israelite hate mail? That even as Gentiles, we can be engrafted into the family? That even as people that, that, that aren't belonging to any bloodline or, or any country or, or anything like that, that we can still belong to the family of God? That although we not might be a part of the blood, the bloodline that we've been adopted into the family in the family of God, so that we can cry out "Abba, Father." That term "Abba, Father" meaning a, a, a term of familiarity, a term like I know the person that I'm talking to. Like I'm not calling somebody daddy by accident. Listen, I got two. I got two little kids. One of them talks just as much as I do, if not more. But when she calls out daddy, she knows that I'm going to come and help her. When she calls my name, she knows I can come to her assistance. When she calls my name, she knows I'm going to be able to help teach her and guide her and protect her. She, 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 she knows that through relationship. She knows that through spending time with me. Although she tries to ask me to do everything like, we give her these morning gummies, and she'd be asking for the gummies all day because she thinks it's candy. She's like, Daddy, what can you give me? No, she's growing into a place in her life where she's getting older and older. She's like, Dad, I don't want anything from you. I just want to be with you. 
I don't want any food or any toys or any candy deck. Can I just sit in your lap and we can watch TV? Even to the point where our relationship is growing so close, she'll watch me play video games. She just wants to be next to me like, Dad, you playing football, Daddy? This is your show? This is your show, Daddy? Are those the 49ers, Daddy? It comes through relationship. She's, she's not seeking what I can give her. She's seeking more and more of my presence. That, that even, and we moved to Fairfield like three or four years ago just so she can have her own room. The, the, the apartment situation that we were in, we were like in a 600 square foot apartment and it was flooding and it was just bad. But we moved to Fairfield so she can have her own room. Even now that she's older, she got, she got a little TV in her room, she got a little bed and like a little tent. It's her, it's her grandparents buying her all this stuff. Like it's getting out of control. But even when she spends time going to a place, she wants me to be with her. That'll preach. That before she goes, I'm like, Daddy, can we go? Can we go play in my room? Can we go to the park? Can we go to Nana's house? What's grandma doing? She always wants my presence, amen? amen. Jesus presents the hireling not to, to, to add light to the character, not to add light to, to the particular person, but to use him as a comparison and a contrast of how faithful that he is. That he's not like a hireling, like, if things start going bad, that he's going to dip. Because read your word, things were going bad for Jesus. People were showing up with stones to stone him. People were threatening death. And if you look at the grand scheme of the gospel, even when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, look, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will be done. That we serve a Savior that isn't afraid to, to see the challenge. That we serve a Savior that, 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 that didn't shy away from the most ultimate and best thing that he could have did for us in our lives. We serve a Savior that's faithful. We serve a Savior that's consistent. We serve a Savior that's holy. We don't serve a God that's going to be going away when, when we fall short. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if, if God went away from us every time we fell short? Every time we didn't meet our end of the deal, every time that we were unfaithful, that I was reading earlier, and Donald, correct me if I'm wrong, is it, is it Ezra, that which, which prophet had married the, uh, the prostitute? Hosea. When Hosea married the prostitute, God was trying to make an example of it. He's like, look, you see how you feel when she's off and going and doing her thing and sleeping with everybody in the streets? That's how the people of God are treating me right now. That I've been faithful to my bride, that I've been faithful in providing for my bride, and yet she goes out and does everything that, that goes to hurt me. Can you imagine? God is faithful. He's not looking for reciprocation. He loves you tremendously. John chapter 10, verse 19 to 21, it says, Therefore there was a division again amongst the Jews because of these sayings. And some of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open up the eyes of the blind? In John chapter 3 where it says, you know, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. 
all those things. But he goes on later to say that the reason why people didn't believe in Jesus and believe in the real Christ is because they loved the darkness more than they loved the light. That these people that are divided, that are calling him a demon, are so tied to their definition of righteousness that they won't adopt the definition itself. That they're so tied to, to, to the darkness of their truth that they won't accept the truth. That they're so tied to, to, to being able to be holy on the outside, but decrepit and wicked on the inside. They're so tied to this lifestyle that they don't want to truly be free. This is what the division was. Is you got one half of the people that were like stuck in darkness, like, he's a demon. He has to be a demon. He's claiming himself to be God. What kind of person would say that? But then there are other people like, wait a minute. He's on to something. These works that he just did, that this person that he just made blind, or blind made see, he must be the son of God. The way that he just connected the fact that there's something about this person. Verse 22, let's fast forward. Now there's a little break in time right here. It says, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter, Burp. and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long are you gonna keep us in doubt? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. There goes that theme again. And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again. Always getting shaky. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Let's continue on in verse 34, Alex. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I say I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Verse 39. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign. But all the things that John spoke about the man were true, and many believed in him there. Now, how many people read verse 35 and said, gods? That, that, that term gods wasn't God doing like this, I don't know, like Greco-Roman, like Zeus and Hercules type thing. Like that's not what was going on. 
That, that word that it used, that, that theos, that word literally translates to mean in this particular context, whatever can in any respect be likened unto God or resemble him in any way. More specifically, God's representative or vice-surgeon or magistrates and judges. They were people that God sent to represent for him. God wasn't making little mini-gods. Don't be like these dudes on the East Coast constantly. What's up, God? What's up, God? Nah, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. That Jesus was saying, listen, if God had sent you guys and called you guys gods and called you guys representatives of him and fell short of the responsibility and I show up, I do the responsibility I do the works, I claim to be exactly who I claim to be, and you call me the blasphemer. This is the point he's trying to make. He's basically trying to show them the falsehood that they're trying to live in. That basically he's trying to say, like, look, you're presenting yourself as a person of God, but you're falling short. You're presenting yourself as a holy person, but you're falling short. You got the actions right. You know how to dress right. You know how to say all the right things. You know how to say all the, 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 the godly and spiritual things and know how to do all of the different ceremonies. And yet you, you, you lack the, the, the will and the purpose that God sent you for. That God was there and he was there to, to perform the purpose that the father had sent him for. That look, we had talked about it a couple Sundays on You Sunday where Jesus wasn't coming to be a Messiah in the worldly view. He was coming to be a Messiah that wouldn't just save them from a, a, a kingdom that was uh, oppressing them on earth, but he was there to save them from, a, from a, a spiritual kingdom that was sin that was oppressing them. He's like, look, you think you're doing the work, but I'm the one that's really putting in the work. That at best, you think that you're a shepherd, but actually you're a hireling. Because if it really hit the fan... If it really came down to you doing the will of God, you guys would run. If it really came down to you guys doing what God called you to do, you would run. Think about the situation with, with um, the woman caught in adultery. This is a different passage in scripture. But these Pharisees show up with this woman caught in adultery. My thought has always been, bruh, how did you catch her in adultery? Which one of y'all was with her? These dudes had everything right on the outside, but lacked the power on the inside. That the book of John was, was written in such a way so that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he truly was the son of God, that he was sent by God to be, the word was sent and wrapped in the flesh so that he could save us. That this book in its entirety, in its entirety was written so that we would understand that this man, Jesus, was fully man and fully God. That he wasn't just here to, 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 to overthrow Rome. That he wasn't just here to, 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 to tickle our fancies and to, to do the things that we wanted to do. But he was here for a godly purpose. He was here to come and reveal uh, the kingdom. He was here to come and die for our sins. 
that God is the way, that God is the, is, is the good shepherd. He is the door. This is what this passage in Scripture is telling us, that not only is God the way, but he is, not only is God the way and, and is he our Savior, but he is also our Lord. He's the one that can guide us. And listen, take a lesson from the sheep. Be a good follower. Trust in God and allow him to lead you. Amen? Amen. 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 Here's what I want to leave you guys with before we go. And I know we started late, but hey, I don't preach long. (laughs) But I love the word believe in the Bible because of the definition that it gives in the original language, where it's not just believe like on a surface. It's not just believe like on an emotional level, but it's to truly be convinced that something is true. Like even if other things present itself, that you're still truly convinced, that you're holding on tight to a truth. And I encourage you guys, if you're at home and you have doubts, you're at home and you're here in this place, and you're not quite sure if you believe in God, I encourage you to give him, give him your all. I encourage you to be like the sheep and be a sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's it for tonight. I encourage you guys, look, every service that we have here at the Building Christian Fellowship is available to rewatch on YouTube, on Facebook. Listen, I know some of you guys are watching on Facebook and you didn't like the Facebook page. What are you doing? Quit being a creeper and like the Facebook page. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our app. Coming up soon. This is really exciting. How many people uh, uh, enjoyed the uh, uh, elders Q&A a couple weeks ago? Really good, right? We're going to be doing that more and more often this year, and it's coming up in what, like two, three weeks? Last Tuesday of this month. Listen, uh, uh, our team has already submitted some forms for you guys to put your questions in. If you have a question about faith, uh, about the Bible, about relationships, how the gospel pertains to life, all different kinds of things, just ask the questions, and we'll do our very best to answer those questions. Amen? Amen. Make sure, make sure that you know that the, the doors of the church are open. We are here in person. This is not a hologram. This is not a pre-recorded message. We really are here. The doors of the church are open. Listen, if you're stuck at home, here's what I am, I am double dog daring you to do. If you're at home and, and, and you, you made the decision to stay home, listen, be an evangelist this week. Be an electronic evangelist this week. Don't just share the page You know people that need to be watching and being in church. You know the people that need to be hearing the word of God and to be uh, uh, worshiping, that that people have been too connected, like Pastor Donald was talking about a couple of weeks ago, that they were so tied to the building, as soon as the building was closed, they lost their connection with God. Listen, a revival is coming. And that happens through us coming to a revelation of who God is. And us coming to a revelation of who God is is by spending time with him. So invite your friends to Bible study, invite your friends to church on Sunday, invite your youth to to elevate on Thursdays. I'm going to talk all night. It's 8.02. Go with God. I love you guys. See you soon. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time. 
Thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.